Welcome to the Working Smarter Podcast, presented by Calabrio. This podcast, just like the software we make at Calabrio, is designed to help you get the most out of the resources that are available to you. This includes both technology resources and, more importantly, human resources. In this series, we will discuss industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. Join us as we learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. Welcome back to the Working Smarter Podcast presented by Calabrio. As always, I'm your host, Brad Snedeker. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue our series of podcasts recorded at the Calabrio Customer Connect Conference last year. We have a really special treat for you today as I was lucky enough to sit down with two members of the Calabrio community, Brandon Cottle and Kenny Butler. In this conversation, we talk about agent engagement and management strategies within the contact center, and there is a lot of great information contained within this podcast. So I want to jump right in and get right to this content. This was a great conversation, and I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. Also, make sure you stay tuned for information about the Grandma Butler technique for performance management. That is a really great nugget of wisdom that we take out of this podcast, as well as many other tips, tricks, and tactics. One quick note before we get started, this podcast was recorded prior to the COVID-19 situation, so some of these tips may not necessarily be applicable to the current world, but the basic principles still hold true and can be adapted to the new world that we find ourselves in. So with that out of the way, let's jump right in. All right. Well, we have a special treat joining us in the studio today. We have a two for one. So again, as part of our ongoing series here at the uh, Calabrio Customer Connect conference, joining me today, uh, we have uh, Brandon Cottle and Kenny Butler. Uh, so thank you guys for, for joining me. Uh, we really appreciate you, know, you guys participating in the conference. This is uh, probably our favorite event that we do every year, bringing everybody together, kind of getting people excited about you know, what's new, what's upcoming in, in the contact center world. And um, again, we just really appreciate you having here. And I specifically really appreciate you guys both taking part in this podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's, it's an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. So maybe we'll just start off uh, real quickly with just some some introductions. Uh, so just kind of give us an, an overview of who you are, uh, what your your role is, maybe just a quick background on, on how you came into the contact center uh, world. So maybe we'll start with you, Brandon. Oh, sure. Thanks. I appreciate it, Brad. Uh, so I am a senior support center manager at First American. So I have a couple of teams that do software support for external customers. And uh, kind of stumbled in post-military into the service desk IT world and have been in that area for about 20 years now in various roles, practitioner, consultant. I don't know. Some some weird part of me likes it. So I guess I, <laughs> that's how I got here. And Glutton for punishment. I think so, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common story, right? Nobody yep. nobody grows up saying, I want to be at work in a contact center when I grow up. But then so many people get into it and they just absolutely fall in love with it. And, I, you know, it's 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 frankly, it's a really important job. So um, that's great. Um, Kenny. Well, I'm about to prove you wrong there. OK. Uh, my father was a contact center manager okay. when I was a little boy. Okay. Um, and this is way back when it was, you know, just green sheets and they were calling out of uh, offices in Manhattan and selling farm equipment and farm supplies to fo- folks in Nebraska. 
And I would sit in the office, go to work with dad and watch these guys pretend <laughs> to have these country accents or these Midwestern accents so they could sell products. So this is what I saw as work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you, uh, I, after the military, uh, what am I going to do? I, I had, uh, my job was in uh, gauge calibration. So on submarines, okay. so not a lot of that <laughs> outside of the Navy. The private sector. Yeah. And, uh, so I wound up, uh, I found my way over to MCI WorldCom. This is a part-time gig. And, uh, when I got in the environment, it just brought me back home. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to stick around here for a while. Yeah. And, uh, uh, 20 years later, yeah. still here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I, I got to admit that is a first. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I, I've talked to a lot of different folks that that's a first. It's a, it's a family affair, which is, which is great. Um, well, again, thank you guys for being here. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, where we would, uh, focus our discussion is, um, you know, one of our big themes here at the conference, things that we're talking about is this idea of, of course, what, what are the things that we can do to improve customer service. That's obviously what our jobs are, is to make sure that we're offering the best customer service that we possibly can. And you know, one of the best ways of doing that, it's been proven time and time again, uh, is ensuring that your, your agents are happy, right? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of make sure you're, you're, you're focusing on this idea of, of agent engagement. So um, I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, maybe some of the things that you all are seeing in, in your specific industries. What are the maybe some of the, the hot topics that, that are coming up for you guys and, and, and how you're serving your agents or maybe some of the things that you've even been talking to other people here at the conference about this week? Well, that's a great question. There's so much, so many discussions that are going outside the workshops. Um, I, I think some of the biggest things that I'm seeing uh, really are using the technology that we have today, leveraging it from the agent's point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's very proactive. Instead of just saying, well, here's your numbers and you got to get better, but rather giving them the tools to where they can run their report any minute, literally, of their shift. And they can say, hey, here's where I am. Here's my goals. And then it becomes a proactive, how do I improve versus a, a negative, you know, we don't want to hit them with a stick. Hey, if you don't get those number of contacts, but rather, I think that's one of the biggest ones I've seen is, is getting that, that, that data and slicing and yeah. dicing it up. And there's a lot of, a lot of conversations in the past two days about machine learning, AI, mm-hmm. what can we do so they can give them quantifiable data they can use themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the idea just to, to, just to kind of summarize there is we're, we're talking about the, the idea of using data as an empowerment tool, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, what it's a lot of times traditionally been, it's, it's, well, here's a goal, hit this goal or you or don't else. get a raise right? Yeah. Or, or worse mm-hmm. sometimes. Right. right. Uh, but, but yeah, give me getting them excited by, by looking at these metrics. And one of the ways you can do that is by making sure that they understand why those metrics are important. Right. So that's that's right. Yeah. Tying the agent behaviors back to the bottom line, uh, to the budget, right? That's how you keep your CFO happy and you keep your staff happy. Mm -hmm. So how do you blend the two? And that is data and data also provides transparency. Uh, it ensures that we are uh, being fair and equitable. Uh, we're measured the same way. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets the same information. And we can see that, you know, numbers don't lie. People will lie all the time. And even <laughs> when they don't lie, sometimes I don't believe you, right? Just because of the way your face is constructed. Mm-hmm. So, but the numbers always tell the story. And so when you communicate, here's what the, here's, here are the numbers that we need to achieve. And here's where we are. When you have the data and you're providing it on a consistent basis, you can now ask for input from your staff. And when you ask for the input of here, here's where we are, what's preventing us from getting from point A to point B? And when you get that feedback and you take action on it, that input turns into buy-in. 
when there's no input, you don't have buy-in. And when I say buy-in, I mean commitment to the mission, right? And if you want to get that kind of commitment to the mission, you have to get the input. And before you can get the input, you have to be trusted. And so when it seems like, when, you know, when agents get the sense or supervisors get the sense that there's some personal agenda or some, you know, gotchas in there, then mm-hmm. they clam up. They don't give the input. They're not as fully committed or emotionally connected to the mission. And you don't get those exceptional results. You'll get the minimum expectations sometimes, and sometimes you won't. But data is the way to go. And, uh, you know, I've often walked into environments where there was a lack of data or the data didn't make sense with the other data. These reports don't make sense with those reports. So uh, that's, that's, that's huge. And if you measure it, you can manage it. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about customer, you know, customer adequacy and taking care of your agents and uh, uh, customer experience, those are all measurable. And you have to be very proficient and you have to have accurate data uh, or you're just spinning your wheels. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great. There's a, and a couple, of, a couple of key takeaways for me in, in what you were saying there was, you know, obviously, you know, agent buy-in is critically important. Uh, if we don't have the buy-in from our agents, if they don't trust us, mm-hmm. uh, which again, this idea, of, there, there is a lot of times you talk to contact center agents and they have this idea that, well, this supervisor just doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm not getting the, the, the accolades that I truly deserve. Right. But if you can take that factor out of it, right. By, by showing them, look, here's some clear numbers that indicate, you know, here are the areas you're doing really well. Um, and here are the areas where, where you need to improve. Um, you know, it takes that personal aspect in a lot of ways out of it. Sometimes you, you can't get over it, but, uh, you know, sometimes people just are convinced that, that, that someone's out to get them. But, um, if you have the data to back it up, um, it it becomes much harder to argue with. And then, um, you know, the, the, the other, the other piece was, uh, you know, making sure that, um, you, have and, and I, I talk about this a lot, but it's kind of the idea of of, of the power of one, right? I'm sure you yeah. guys are familiar with that yep. concept, right? Mm-hmm. But but teaching your agents um, why we're measuring the things that we're measuring and and why they're important, and and hopefully getting them excited about you know what your mission is and, mm-hmm. and what you're trying to do. Um, I, I you know it's it's uh, kind of my mission as as somebody that works in the context center industry is I always look at things from my perspective, selfishly, mm-hmm. as a customer. What are the experiences that I have when I'm working with, with, customers, with customer service organizations and, and what are the challenges that I face and trying to, you know, always approach it from that. How would you feel if you right. were on the other end of that line and this is the service that you got, right? I, I would take, uh, uh, sometimes I would take pictures of my grandmother. <laughs> this is a true story. And uh, if I heard someone who had a bad call, and rather than just beat you up over it, I'm going to let you, let's listen to this call together. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if someone spoke to your grandmother that way? Mm-hmm. How would you feel if that was the response that someone gave your grandmother? Uh, I guess I wouldn't like that. Well, here's a picture of my grandma. We're going to put this on your desk. And <laughs> next time you have one of those tough customers, I want you to pretend you're talking to my grandma. And let's mind our tone. And let's keep that into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. We're, everyone, everyone that we're speaking to. That's someone's mother, that's someone's daughter, that's someone's father, that's someone's brother. Let's treat them that way. Mm-hmm. And we'll feel better about what we're doing every day. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of that, a lot of times some of these negative calls can uh, uh, ruin the rest of your day yeah. because you've let that negative energy into you. But yeah, I use pictures of my grandma around my call center. I, I love what you said about that, Kenny. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably borrow that okay. one as well. <laughs> uh, I, I think that definitely this requires a culture shift in, in how we approach things. And and, uh, and I'll say something that's probably probably 
not going to be received well mm-hmm. across the industry, but it, re- it requires a leadership culture shift. Mm-hmm. And to give you an example of this, um, I had a second level team that took much longer than the first level contact center. So when things went to them, it took a while. That took digging in, going back. Sometimes there are you know, deep issues. And they had reduced their backlog from months and months mm-hmm. to about a 30-day backlog. And as leadership, we thought, well, you've been doing this 30-day for almost a year now. This is great. Why don't we set a new goal for you? Why don't we set a goal of maybe three weeks? And then somebody had an epiphany. Well, why don't we run the data and share it with the team? It turned out that their median tickets were in a number of hours. Mm-hmm. So the team themselves came up, well, why can't we just do two days? That'll be our new goal. Here we were thinking, well, we can reduce it from 30 days to 21 for the second level support team. <laughs> right. And they said, well, look at the data, bosses. We can do this in two days. Mm-hmm. It just blew us out of the water. But that took our change, our, our say, well, let's bring the data. Like Kenny said, let's share that data. Like Brad Sean, let's, let's leverage all this. And then what do you all think? Mm-hmm. And they just blew us out of the water by, you know, cut it two and a half weeks below what we would have done in our own little, in our own little world. So it requires a change in how we think as leaders though. You're you're spot on. Um, You, you, you gave trust, right? You, you showed them the numbers, uh, you exposed information uh, they could have hidden and, Oh, we could figure out how to beat the system here. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead you, 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 you communicated trust. And so you received trust in return. And the trust that you received in return was input Mm -hmm. and input on how we can do it better because they emotionally connected. Now you had their buy-in. Now you had that emotional connection, but all because you established trust by giving it first. I teach my teams that trust is like a boomerang. If in your hand it's just a piece of wood, you have to throw it out there for it to come back to you. Mm -hmm. And if if you don't trust your team, your team won't trust you back. And without that trust, you don't get the input, you don't get the buy-in, you don't get the results, you don't get the execution. And so... Uh, yeah, you hit it right on the head, and that is that is true. A lot of leaders, they're high up on the perch, and they can get nervous. It's a big fall, mm-hmm. and so now they're afraid to expose themselves. They're afraid of uh, being pushed off by exposing too much, so they 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 hide information, um, and that's the exact opposite of why gather all this data if yeah. we're not going to share it. You know, yeah. so. Uh, good, yeah, good, good. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, leadership has to, that's where the change starts. Yeah, I think it goes back to what Brad, you mentioned, it's empowering our analysts, our agents, empowering our frontline workers. Cause it's a different world than we used to be in, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're mostly not working in factories anymore. It's people, hands on keyboards, you know, remote in mm-hmm. the ear. They may be a world away, but we're, we're working with our customers, our clients. I think it's, and I, and I find the shift is across all demographics, all generations. Right. It's not. It's not constrained to millennials or boomers or, or our forgotten generation, Gen X. Nobody cares about us. Right. <laughs> right. But I find that, you know, on these teams, because that specific team has people from millennials to, to, mm-hmm. to boomers, you know, mm-hmm. a, a fi- almost a 50-year range in employees. And they together were united saying, well, we can do it in two days. Yeah. yeah. Blew us out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you've got to give people input. It, we live in a world now where everyone's opinion matters, at least to them, right? We live in the social media world. Everybody's Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. Everybody's Tom Jenner, right? Everybody's Peter Jennings. So uh, so this is what we have to be uh, aware of. We have to understand who we're dealing with. And then our customers as well, same way. Word of mouth used to kill us a few de- years ago. Now it's word of mouth. That's way faster, right? <laughs> so we have to uh, be, we have to be transparent. We have to engage if you don't earn trust and you don't uh, you don't ask for that input uh, you're we're dealing with a society now that 
requires their input mm -hmm. uh, to be heard. Otherwise, they're going to force it on you. And then they'll, in, in, in the business, they'll force it on you in different ways by undermining, becoming a leader in the break room mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to a leader on the production floor, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's, uh, it's working against you, but you're not getting that input. You're just seeing the results. Uh, and your data is now killing you instead of instead of helping you. Yeah, yeah. No, so, so that's that's great. First of all, I, I gotta I gotta say you you may want to patent this whole grandma butler technique. <laughs> right. uh, maybe maybe actually go put put that put a book together. I, yeah. I think you I think you you're onto something there. Uh, we want that, signed copies, right. by the way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. That's that, that's a great technique. I love that. Um, and you know, it, um, it's I, this is again something that I I've, I've always talked about a lot, and I, I love to hear it. You know, directly from from folks in your position that are actually leading contact centers is really taking advantage, and not in a bad way, but taking mm -hmm. advantage of the, the the agent resources that you have. And, you know, historically, I think a lot of people have looked at your agent pool as well. These are people that answer phone calls, right. rather than looking them as a truly valued resource that can help you determine the direction that you need to be going. And so that's, you know, the way you guys are approaching it. And I think that's, that's, that's the most effective way to lead contact centers, especially in this day and age. Well, it's difficult. It, it requires a change in how we as leaders think because we've for, well, I don't know, Kenny, I mean, how far back we can, we can mm -hmm. think, but it requires decades of change and you're not just answering a phone mm -hmm. somewhere in our contact center. There's somebody who can be a citizen data scientist, mm -hmm. just like the workshop I just went to, mm -hmm. but it requires us carving out some time. And that's, that's kind of a hard thing is like, okay, well, how do I, how do I justify taking them off the phone for a two hour block so they can actually take this and try and figure out something because they've shown a little bit of initiative mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've got to figure out how do I do that? How do I yep. get creative so I can get them off the phones for a significant block isolate them so they can actually work and then help them. Because if we can, if we can get that person to where they're producing on their own, something that we don't know about, mm -hmm. yeah. something we had no idea. Imagine the ROI for our company. Mm -hmm. It's huge, but it requires a leap of faith, right? As, as leaders to say, okay, she said she was interested in this yeah. and we sent her to a, a one day class and let's, let's try and do this and, and help her and support her so mm -hmm. we can get there or him, you know, mm -hmm. whoever it is. I, I've, I've uh, done, a, done that a couple of times. We have, so the way that I go about doing that is you budget the offline non-phone time uh, so that you have the adequate resources to take care of your, your business, your production business. But then at the same time, you, do you have time in your budget uh, of, of, you know, of work hours, uh, do you have time to develop your team? So there's the training and there's the coaching and then there's the career pathing, right? So that requires uh, showing the value to your CFO and getting that kind of buy-in. Uh, I've got a great story, a fellow named uh, uh, Nick Frescus who worked for me and he'll, he'll love hearing this. Uh, he was an agent uh, for me and uh, Carlson, I was running for one of the major automotive uh, firms. Uh, out of Austin, Texas, and he was, uh, you know, not on the high list, the list of uh, the folks that were held in high regard, sort of on the outskirts of maybe being pushed out. And I walked by his desk and I noticed that he doesn't have any, uh, there's no letters or numbers on his keys, just all blacked out keys. And one of his uh, collateral duties was he would work on the, uh, the, the, the incentive campaigns, so the, the programs that we had for contests, and he was working on those. But he was typing in groups of keys, and he had no letters or numbers on it. Like, what is this guy typing? 
turns out he knew all, uh, not all of them, but he probably knew about 50 or 60 of the Microsoft shortcuts. So he had committed himself. On his desk is database books and access books, and he's teaching himself. So I moved him from the phones to run, to run reports for me because we were having a diff, we had, we had a difficult time getting through pipelines for security to reach our central databases. So he was running reports for me, and what he was able to do for me, we created some reports where we would run our cost for business every single day. How much did we cost yesterday versus what was the goal for yesterday? And how we performed, and any time we had an outlier, whether it was good or bad, if it was a good outlier, we caught it. What, what created that outlier? Well, this happened, let's bottle that. And we would make that a practice going forward. And when we had an outlier that was something, you know, we had some leaking of cost, we were able to plug that up. What, what caused that? Well, this caused, let's plug it. A Couple months later, maybe six, seven months later, I've got the CFO joining in on our P&L call. How are you guys able to keep in rhythm with your call volume? When your calls are up, your money's up. Mm-hmm. When your calls are down, your cost goes down. So you manage to keep your margins. And so when I explain this is what we've done and this is how we're tracking it on a daily basis, Nick got promoted. I didn't. <laughs> because they took him and took him to the whole company. And he started doing that yeah. for the whole organization. And so it became a best practice that we, we were using. But to your point, this was someone who was on his way out the door, depressed. Uh, he had had some tragedies in his family. He'd recently lost a brother, so he was in a low state. And now, uh, this is what he does for a living. He's, uh, you know, he's probably making six figures now. Mm-hmm. So from fourteen dollars an hour to six figures in a matter of, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably been about six or seven years now. But, uh, and I just got a call from him the other day, uh, just asking, "Hey, I got another job. Can you? I use you as a reference, yeah. of course." But you took a leap of faith with him. That's you exactly said, hey, right. I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna that's try. Exactly that's exactly right. And figured out a way. And and but I also built into my system uh, the capability, the bandwidth to find those folks and be able to utilize them and put them in a position without putting the business at risk. It's yeah. key. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and, you know, again, this is really just in line with kind of modern day managerial techniques. And, and it's, you know, again, this has always been important to, to every generation, but you know, the more recent generations are just mm-hmm. much more vocal about it. That's, at right. least that's how I view these things. I, I know you always hear a lot of people talking about, you know, this generation and that versus that generation yeah. and everything's so different. We've always wanted the same things. Mm-hmm. We always want to feel, everybody wants to feel valued and everybody wants to feel that the organization that they work for, that where they spend the vast majority of their day, uh, um, is a place that they can grow mm-hmm. and that they can be, you know, successful. And if you have these types of stories to be able to tell people, I mean, that is so motivating for yeah. your agents, right? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Like, like we were saying, like I said a second ago, word of mouth uh, <laughs> versus word of mouth. You know, you've got Glassdoor. They just go online and say whether they like you or they don't. And now when you're, I mean, as a, as a context center director, you sort of have to manage your brand because mm-hmm. agents just go online. This is how I was treated at this organization. Any recruiter worth their salt just goes and pulls your name up on Google in Glassdoor, and here's what your employees had to say about you. This is what it was like working for you. Whatever company you're working for, let's pull the let's pull the the, the NPS scores for that company. Let's pull the customer satisfaction scores for that company. How happy were how happy were your customers? So you don't have happy customers and you don't have happy employees very easy to weed yourself out mm-hmm. uh, of any interview process. So, um, so it just, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's helpful to you as a, as a brand, as a, as a leader. Uh, but then it's also helpful to, to society by at least putting, uh, you know, positive energy back out there through happy employees who are 
making happy customers, turning frowns upside down is what mm-hmm. we like to say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's about motivating your agents, keeping them happy so that they're delivering better. You know, they're happier with their jobs. It means they're going to deliver better customer service. It means your customers are going to be happier and they're going to come back again and again and again. Uh, you know, so that's, that's again, that's what, that's why we're here. That's, that's right. That's why we're at this conference. So that's great. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about this, Kenny. Um, I'm just kind of uh, curious if you'd be comfortable elaborating on this a little bit. But you talked about budgeting time mm-hmm. specifically for personal growth, yeah. and um, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, Brandon, if this is something you guys, you guys do as well. Definitely. I'm curious how you find a balance. You know, what, how do you look at that and say, okay, we can afford you know, this much time? Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a tricky question. Um, cause you've got to balance the needs of your customers with the needs of your, of your team. It can be sometimes a tricky balancing act. Well, you know, it's, um, you start with the basics, right? What does it take for us to answer all the calls and handle all of the business that's coming in? Uh, and then what does it take to, um, keep our staff proficient and knowledgeable and, uh, effective on the phone? So there's your training time and your, and how do we keep them in the loop? So how much is uh, team team meetings and pre-shifts, that kind of stuff? You know, you have X amount of time for vacation. You have X amount of attendance, you know, absenteeism and those types of things. So you factor all that stuff in. Uh, and then you also have to factor in what is the cost of uh, retention? What is, the, what is the cost of attrition? Exactly. Uh, and so what... You know, why do folks leave? And to your point, they want to feel like they matter. They want to feel like they can grow. If not only am I spending eight hours of my waking, of my awake life uh, at work, nine, because of lunch, I'm also spending an hour coming to and an hour coming from and an hour getting dressed and an hour getting undressed. Mm -hmm. And I got very little time for my family. So can I at least bring home a bigger check for my family, do if if that's your motivation, or can I at least feel like I contributed and that I mattered while for the time that I took away from my family to go and help the operation? And so it's on us. It's, it's important for us to do it. And you keep your best folks when they see that they can move up. And even if they can't move up within your organization, I've developed you so that you can move up. And if we don't have an opportunity for you here, there's always an opportunity someplace else. And it should always be about them finding, making a better way for themselves. And that trickles down. Oh, we lost a superstar because they went to company A. Well, all of the other employees who saw that the only reason they went to company A is because we developed them. Now they want to get developed. They mm-hmm. see that there's some value in, uh, in that. So that's, that's how I approach it. And, um, you know, usually I get the permission to do it. And when I don't, uh, you know, you just next budget, you fluff up your training mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then you use it for this to this end. But it's all part of training and development and, 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 and uh, engagement mm-hmm. uh, and uh, earning that trust and credibility uh, uh, with your with your staff. Yeah. I'll add on to what Kenny said. I, I think it, it definitely starts with the, the line leadership and mid-level management. I'm very lucky in the organization I'm at. I have support all the way up to C-level mm-hmm. on both IT and business side. They're a, they're very supportive. Um, you know, they, they want us to try these things. So when I go out there and make a, a stance of, well, we're going to spend 10% of our time every week, every month on training. First, everybody kind of has a little bit of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But then when you say, let's break it down on a 40-hour hourly employee, that's four hours. Well, an hour of that every week is the team meeting. I've shown you what happens when you don't have team meetings. Mm-hmm. So everyone says, oh, yeah, team meeting. Well, an hour of that week is doing coaching and feedback. You're getting coached on how you've done for your several hundred contacts. Mm-hmm. I've shown you what happens when you don't coach and improve them. Okay, you can have that hour, too. Mm-hmm. Right. An hour is preparing for the next software release that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, we need them to be prepared for that. Okay, so they got to go through the review, the documents and the videos. And 
And so as you go through it, then it starts sinking in. And then before you know it, I start hearing the C-level say, well, you know what? Our contact centers, they, they spend 10% of their time training. So it definitely starts at that lower leadership to mid-level mm-hmm. of showing why it makes sense. That's right. It's not easy. You know, we, I kind of, you know, it's contact centers and, and technical support has high turnover a lot of times. It's some of the shortest in the industry. People want to move on. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's not a but, it's a however mm-hmm. through programs like Kenny's saying, and we have the same, same as well as we're kind of like the farm league, the farm team for other organizations within right. our company. And then people see it. And, and then actually it turns kind of on the other side of what we were saying, Kenny, with a glass door. Now our recruiters use that as a, as a tool That's for right. people. If you come in, here's kind of the past we can point to and say, well, this person went to this team and this team and this mm-hmm. team and developed and even ones who go outside of our organization, you've still skilled them up to where now our executives say, yeah, we, we love this. This is a farm league. And so then it, that cycle, but that takes a while. Yeah. That's not something yeah. you can march in and say, you know, hands on fist. Okay, mm-hmm. big bosses. Yeah. You got to gain that. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate in the situation I am in that they're very supportive. And if you're mm-hmm. in a situation which they're not supportive, you have to you have to make it to where you share the ROI. And then if it still doesn't work, you got to find another job. Mm-hmm. That's right. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, I just, we're saying it how it is. That's yeah. right. That's right. It's yeah. also, you know, you, you, you interview the corporations that you're interviewing with for that as well. Do you, do you subscribe to this belief? Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in uh, investing in your employees, then we're not a match. Because yeah. that is, you, you have to have a passion for this. And there has to be another reason that you do this every day besides the paycheck. Yeah. And it's, uh, some of us, it's you know, whatever, whatever motivates us for me personally, it's taking care of other people and helping, uh, mm-hmm. being a contribution. And so if I can't do that, then you know, I'm not going to be there anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it takes a, a, a certain degree of, we'll call it managerial maturity, mm-hmm. right? Can, can we say leadership? Leadership. Instead. Leadership. <laughs> About 10 minutes yeah. ago, I want to say not management, yeah. leadership, yeah. right? Yeah, but maturity in your leadership, mm-hmm. right? In, in, the, in the ability to look at kind of the big picture and say, you know, this is a great employee and, and yeah, I'm, I'm sad to lose them, but I'm also very happy for them personally. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also happy for the message that it sends to the rest of my agents. The, as, as a, as a, as a leader in my organization, the only time I'm ever, uh, unfortunately I haven't actually had this ever happen to me, but the only time I'd ever be sad to lose an employee is if they made a, a completely lateral move or, you know, made a, made a down, you know, a downgrade. And from, you know, from my perspective, unfortunately, I've been fortunate enough that everybody that I've lost, I, I feel that they are moving on either within my organization or to another organization to bigger right. and better things. And they're right. growing their career. And that to me is incredibly fulfilling because I feel like, you know, again, selfishly, like I had a part in that. That's right. I, I, I helped them to, to get to that, that place. So that's, that's great. Well, uh, it's hard to believe, but we've already been talking for a half an hour. Wow. Um, so th- 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 honestly, I think there's been some really great takeaways here. Um, and I think you guys have, if nothing else, the grandma Butler thing, I think that's probably one of the best takeaways we all need. Uh, maybe we, you can send me a picture of your grandma. We'll put it up on the website. <laughs> right. You can print it out um, and use it as a, as a motivation. I have it tool. in my phone. Awesome. Um, so uh, I, I, I normally warn people about this ahead of time. Um, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot here. I always like to end my podcasts with uh, giving people the option to kind of keep things light, um, to tell a joke, 
to use a brain teaser or or tell a riddle. Um, I've got one in my back pocket. So if neither of you guys have one um, and, and the cornier, the better, in my opinion, uh, if you guys have anything. All, all right. I, I'm, I'm going to see I'm going to see my my uh, my daughter likes to send me jokes. She's <laughs> uh, she's a teenager. So if you give me just a second here, I can probably figure out the last one she Absolutely. sent me. Absolutely. And I can edit out um, the pause. Yeah, so. and, and when I was a kid, I had a thousand jokes in my head. Now that section of the brain is full of data. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a joke that I, I used to. I've been rebuilding it since I've yeah. had kids because yeah. they, they just hate my jokes. Yeah. And it, it mo- that motivates me right, uh, to right. learn more because uh, <laughs> I, I love annoying my kids. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it kind of goes both ways. I don't know if this will work, but... Um, my, my daughter's a big Star Wars and Marvel fan. She's a teenager, so um, if Tom Holland listens, she has a crush on him, which her <laughs> mom and I agree that's okay because she'll never meet him. Right. Um, but uh, she, she and I were texting about how long until the new Disney service launches, and mm-hmm. I sent her a countdown link. And it had like 28 or 29 days, and so she said, oh, a month. And I said, well, it's actually, this is all on text, 28, 29 days. She said, oh, I'm just, I'm just rounding. And so I said, okay, so then if it gets to 14 days, then you'll say it launches tomorrow. <laughs> and she kind of came back with, uh, that's a dad joke. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, again, I, just to reiterate, you know, we not only appreciate you guys being here at the conference and taking part, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be part of this conference from the very first when we had like 20 people in a mm-hmm. conference room and now to see it over over 700 people it's it's been Wonderful. amazing growth yep. and and you guys Great are a key conference. part of that so uh we're happy to have you guys here and personally again i'm really happy for you guys to take part i think we have some great i, I think our listeners are really going to appreciate some of the takeaways from this so thank you guys for your time and uh, i hope you enjoy the the rest of the conference my thank pleasure you. thank you great